hey, I'm just super thankful to be here and just to be a part of this church and this group and, and to be able to share what I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart, uh, not so much just for me, but for you guys. I feel like everybody's in here for a reason this morning. Um, Kendall is not really the guy you want to follow, you know, he's not the actor you want to follow because he's super cool and he's funny and and uh, I don't say that just to build you up, but uh, aren't you thankful just for Kendall and his leadership? I think we should give him. It's funny because Courtney and I have only been going here since uh, probably late spring, early summer. And every time we tell, they're like, you know, people are like, well, you getting involved? And we're, well, we're over in the college area and they're always just like, isn't Kendall great? <laughs> like everybody does that. And so we're, uh, we, we love Kendall and just so proud to be here. But I'm not Kendall. Um, I think he's, he's cool. Uh, I think that God has placed him here, and I think that he um, speaks truth to all of us. And it's just funny because Courtney and I came into this department to, like, help. And we're in the back, and we're, like, nudging each other going, it's just, isn't this great what he said this just for us? And we're, like, we're supposed to be helping, and, and this guy's just ministering to us, you know. But this topic of identity is, I would say it's, it's very special even to me. It's, it's special to every one of us, but some of the things Kendall has said, which I believe are from the Lord, uh, spoke directly to me, and I, I don't know if it did to you, but I feel that, it, feel that it has. And so many of the things that he's been going through are things that are just kind of obvious truths, right, that we know we know them in our head, and we've been taught a lot of these things, and then it's just like, but you kind of see it, and you hear it, and you're like, God, it's so obvious, but I, I, don't we forget a lot of that identity stuff? Don't we forget um, kind of what it means to be in Christ and what our identity is based on, and don't we revert back to kind of the natural tendencies of it's about what I do? Because I, I know I do, and, it, and it's one that's tough for me, but before we move forward, I wanted to get somebody, because every time Kendall draws on the, the board, I notice everybody laughs at like because he's crooked or kind of the way he stands. So I'm gonna get, I want somebody kind of over here to come right to draw the inner circle of the little diagram that he made and see if anybody remembers it. Someone over here, jump up. I know like no one's making eye contact now. <laughs> I want somebody to come up here and let's see. Come on, you moved your leg. You know it. <laughs> If you don't remember, it's okay, because I, I forgot. That's why I called you up here. <laughs> little, all right. There's one more. I was going to have you just do the first one, okay? So just say what this one is. Okay, good. So that's salvation or your, she put personal standing or didn't you say position or your standing? Okay, but that, this is all, it all goes together. So you did it right. Okay. <laughs> Somebody over here, come do the next circle. Come on, I know you can do it. Somebody. No one's looking again. These are the faces you're talking about <laughs> that they give you on Sunday morning. Okay, somebody, come on. I know somebody knows the next one. Quit looking at each other, you two. <laughs> Destiny, do you know it? Somebody? See, they're fighting over who has to go up there because they all know it. Someone come ride it. 
Flip a coin, flip a coin. Here she comes. The... All right, let's see. Everybody's so awake now. Nice. Identity unique to you. Great. Okay, somebody else, act quickly and come right the other one. Just anybody. All right, right there. See? That's what I'm talking about. Front row. No, you're doing good. Perfect. This is so great, and I know that the Lord laid this on on, uh, Kendall's heart, and it's things that if we, most everybody in here, if we talked about this, you'd all go, yeah, yeah, I know that, I know that, I know that. But then when you really look at it and and he spoke on it, it was like, oh, man, I just, I I don't really live that way. And I think what hit me was when Kendall was kind of out here, and he said, man, we all get hung up on this assignment thing. And we're all jacked up in here. We don't even understand this part, and we're way out here. And so that was just to kind of see if everybody was awake this morning. We'll use that here in a second. But I want to tell you, doesn't a lot of our identity, don't you believe a lot of your identity comes from maybe your parents? Okay, there's not a wrong answer here. But you at least feel that way, at least like your earthly kind of your tendencies and the way you act and who you kind of think you are, okay, physically. I know it does, and and I wanted to tell you, a little bit about uh, about my father, okay? My mom, I have a great mom. She makes the best spaghetti and meatballs, and Courtney knows how to make it now, and I think Courtney's is a little bit better. But I have a fantastic mom, but I, had a, I have a great dad. And as a, I was able to share my testimony just a little bit yesterday, and I was able to say, you know, when I was seven, same age as my son, I accepted Christ. And my, my father is the one that... that led me to that. Um, my dad was, uh, he was uh, tall, he's good looking, he's, you know, he was funny. Um, my father played Jesus in the church play, and so like I was always like, yeah, that's my dad's up there, you know, during the little play. I mean, like, I think it was like 12 years in a row. He could sing. Uh, I remember my dad coming to kindergarten, and he came to my class, and he helped us build these this house with the blocks, and it was just like, you know, my dad was cool. Um, I remember one time hurting my mom's feelings because she, she came to my elementary school, and I was really embarrassed because I forgot something. I was like, Mom, don't ever come in again. But, like, if Dad came, it was like, cool, you know, it's your dad. Um, so I looked at my dad a lot like how Jackson looks at me, who's seven years old. I just... My dad was so awesome. I mean, he, could, he couldn't. But I thought, man, he could build anything. He could fix anything. And it's a lot how Jackson looks at me. Right now, Jackson, I know he's going to outgrow it, and I dread it. But Jackson, who's seven, he thinks, like, I'm the most amazing any whatever. And I haven't told him any different, okay? <laughs> I went, when I come home, Jackson usually, he'll draw me something. And, like, it'll be like, he's interested in hunting and stuff. So it'll be like, he's got like this picture and he's up on a mountain and then like across this canyon there's like this 1.5 million 1.5 1.5 mile shot and there and he's like dad this is you this is a moose that's you shooting over here there's not even a scope on the rifle and it's that's the moose and there's blood and it's right on the shoulder and the and it's every time there's blood everyone's that's you killing a moose 
I went deer hunting. Uh, the first time I went deer hunting was last Saturday. Okay. I've done a little hunting. I know a little bit about guns, but see, in Jackson's eyes, man, I'm like, I'm like the hunter. And if, and if Michael or any of you, if y'all tell him any different, I will find you. Okay. Cause he thinks that, and I want him to think that, but we're learning together. When we went hunting, we were with Zach Weems and he kind of likes to teach people. And Zach was like, you know, you got to walk and do this. And then I'd hear him and I'd tell Jackson's son, you got to go and do this. And then I'd listen to him. And then, and then we were walking out the deer stand and I was like, uh, all right, great. We're good to go. And then I leaned over to Zach because I didn't want Jackson to hear me. Right. Cause then he won't respect me. I said, what do we do if we shoot one? You know, and I was like, he's like, just call me. And I was like, man, that's, that's real hunting. They were out there texting. Did you see one there? Um, but see, that's how, that's how Jackson looks at me. He thinks that he says to me sometimes at night, he'll be like, you know, Dad, what if a bad guy comes in? I can tell him anything, and he believes me. I can say, well, first I'd probably tell him to stop, and he'd be like, what if he has a gun? And I can say, well, I'd do, first I'd do a roundhouse, I'd kick him, <laughs> and then if he came at me, I'd probably chop his head off, and then I'd punt his head out in the street, and he'd be like, yep, you would. He, he thinks I'd do that. And uh, I'm like, don't, and, it, and then everybody gets good sleep, because I think that's true. But that's the, way, that's the way I looked at my father, okay? This is, this is how I saw my dad. And I want to tell you that in May, when I was 10 years old, I came home from a birthday party, and like something just, something wasn't right in my house. Excuse me. And so I had only seen my mother cry one time in 10 years and this was the second time I could tell she was she was visibly upset and my older brother who was 15 and I had another brother that was already in college he just kind of flipped a switch and all of a sudden big Jeff who's a lot bigger than me kind of he instantly took a different role and I'm like man he's acting all mature and he's he sat me down and he said, how, how was the bowling? And I was like, because I was at a bowling party, and I was like, why is he acting this way? Well, my father had left. And I'm sitting there thinking, what do you, what do you mean, Dad left? I mean, where'd he go? And, and he said, no, he just, he left. And later I'd find out um, more history. I found out more uh, about my dad's life. And I, I would find out more about my parents' relationship. But see, as, as a 10-year-old, all I knew of dad was he was just amazing. And I struggle even to this day with who I am a lot of times because my father, he wasn't there. And from the age of 10, it's only two and a half years older than Sam or, or Jackson. From the age of 10 to 15, I never saw my father one time. And I know that, that this, I know this resonates some of you. And when Kendall asked me to 
fill in for him. I really believe that the Lord laid it on my heart that I was to get up here and tell you guys my story about that. And we went into, it's funny how this happens, and a lot of times, have you noticed that like a lot of times Kendall will say something, and then like we'll go into church, and then like Pat will say something, and you're like, what? Did they just, <laughs> they just text that mid? Because it's like, and we went in there, and, and uh, I was just, I, was like, I felt like the Lord said, he was telling me, you need to kind of close this identity thing that Kendall's been teaching on, and you need to tell them about your father. And in Kendall, and we, I mean, we got into a uh, big church, and Pat said, uh, he quoted the verse, Psalm 65, a father to the fatherless, and speaking of God, and it was just kind of confirmation. And by the way, yesterday, whenever Pat said, hey, I'm Pastor Pat, and my one-year-old started patting, uh, <laughs> patting Courtney, which I thought was funny, so I forgot to tell him that. But see, I want to tell you something cool, though, about my story. And I don't wanna, I'm not here to depress you and like, to tell you like Lance's psychological history and, and the birth order and like why I don't put this toilet seat down and all that, okay? Because of my model or whatever. What I'm, what I'm here to tell you is that what's awesome about my story is that God's people rose up and they, and they became that father to me. I can't tell you the stories of the people in my life, the men in my life that became a father to me because of this. I struggle with, especially growing up, not so much now, a little, but I struggled with um, that affirmation that you can only get on this earth from your father. I struggled with that. And I, I know some of you, I know that in this group that some of you have that same uh, struggle. There's this, uh, I played high school football and I played here at SFA. I know you're super impressed. And <laughs> we played a playoff game. My brother was in college and, and uh, there's this, this picture that this newspaper took. This was just a huge high school football game because it just so happened we were the only team in the Dallas area. That, that was still in the playoffs. It just worked out that way. That never happens. And so, like, everybody came to this game from all over because there was only one high school game in Dallas for that weekend. It was the quarterfinals. And I scored a touchdown um, to tie the game in the fourth quarter. And it's a super cool picture uh, where I'm scoring this game, tying touchdown, and then our kicker missed the extra point. But... <laughs> I'm running in my eyes are humongous, and my mom still has this, and a million people have seen this picture from my hometown. They go, man, it's the coolest picture. And veins are popping out, and your eyes are huge, and your butt, and your, it's just so cool, and you get your, get your blood flowing. But in the background of this picture, there's this 335-pound uh, blurry being like this. And it's like, I think it might be airborne. I'm not sure if it's blurry. And it's not Bigfoot, Okay. <laughs> It's my, my older brother because he came home for the game. And that's what I love about that picture is, you know, seeing, seeing big brother, just being proud. And, and that's the human side of me. That, don't we all desire that? Don't we? Which, by the way, I heard a comedian say that um, 
why are the pictures of Bigfoot always blurry? And he said, maybe Bigfoot really is blurry. And they're just, they're good photos, but he's really just a blurry being. <laughs> just a thought. Talk amongst yourselves. Okay? But see, you know, and I, and I get emo, and I, I can't give Kendall a hard time because I'm emotional too, and, and I think emotion's okay because it means you have passion. It means that you're not callous. It means that you feel deeply. And I'm not embarrassed to, to get emotional in front of you guys. Um, I was one of the ones that asked Kendall if he kept it together at the hospital. And so I was probably like the 14th person that asked you that, right? And so, but what I wanted to talk about this morning, okay, and moving forward is, is where, really, where does your identity come from? Where does it really, really come from? And, and what do I mean by that? I mean spiritually speaking, because we all agree in this room that physically we will all pass away, right? Don't we agree to that? But then do we live our lives that way? No, we don't. We live our lives trying to get everything in order and trying to, you know, we want to be cool. We want to be accepted. We want to, and especially a lot of you girls are growing, you know, if I can just, if I can just get married and then whenever you're like, then you get married and then if I can just have a kid and then if I can get my nursery together and then if I can just lose all this baby weight and, and then, it, but, but men are the same way is we're just going, you know, if I can just get it all in order, then I can live my life and then God can use me because I can get my identity of who I really want to be. And if I can get my act together and I can act just right and all that, then God can use me, right? Do you, do you feel that sometimes now if you're being honest? Because that's, that's how I feel. And then, and then it hits me that Jesus said to his disciples, he said, he said that birds have nests and foxes have holes and the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And then, he, and then here you and I are, and we're trying to get our life totally lined out and in order and try to understand all of our relationships and get everything in order so that God can then use us. And, and, and the perfect example is Jesus, and, and his life was not, it was perfect in regard to sin, but as far as like his circumstances and stuff, it doesn't get any worse. And he didn't, God didn't come down and go, oh man, man, Lord uh, Joseph is just, God, Father Joseph is not a good father figure for me. This has got me I'm so jacked up, and now I'm a, I'm a carpenter. I can't, you can't use me. I mean, oh, that Peter's crazy. He, later on, he chopped the guy's ear off, and I can't, I can't work with these people. But see, that's how, but that's how, that's kind of how we, that's kind of how we operate. I mean, I, I do. If I'm being honest, I, I, I kind of, and, and as far as the, the Lord used me, a lot of times it has held me back that my, my father, you know, I'm sitting here going, oh, this is, this, is not, this is not how it was supposed to happen, okay? Uh, my mom remarried, and, and I'm just like, you know, I remember being an adolescent and just going in my room, just going, there is a man in my house. This is weird. Why is this guy, this guy doesn't look like me. That's not what God meant for it to be. And, and it's just, it's, it's messed up, okay? But see... This is what I wanted to tell you is, is that, and hear me out, okay? Don't take this out of context, is that God's perfect will in your life is not limited to the sin around you. Okay, I'm going to say that again, is that God's perfect, not, not his pretty good, God's perfect will for you and you and you and you and you and you, and you everybody in here, is not limited by the sin 
around you. Well, what, is, what in the world does that mean? That means that it hit me like a ton of bricks when I was studying for this debt. Not only did our sin put Jesus on the cross, okay? Not only did our sin put Jesus on the cross, but direct sin on the earth, in the story, put Jesus on the cross, okay? People actually murdered him. And God's perfect will was still accomplished. Do you you hear that? God's perfect will was accomplished and sinful man was all around it and in the story. And so just because something doesn't go the way that it was designed, just because God's intention for marriage or God's intention for you or our, our communion with Him on this earth didn't, didn't come about because the free will that He gave us and because sin entered the world doesn't mean that God's in heaven going, oh, I can't, uh, this is not how it's supposed to be. God knew, if you look in, this just freaked me out and it made me realize how shallow my faith was in college whenever I realized that in, in Psalms that, you know, you know, David, and maybe you've seen this, David prophesies how Jesus would be crucified hundreds of years before he was crucified. And there was no such thing as dying on a cross when David prophesied this. And he says, they'll cast lots for my clothing and they'll pierce my side and, and they nail me to a tree and all this stuff. And nothing like that existed hundreds of years. So do you, th- do you, think, do you think that God is totally shocked that you and your boyfriend didn't, it didn't work out? Or do you think God's totally shocked that your mother maybe just turned out to be a dweeb or your father just your father was abusive or took off. Do you think God's going, man, my will was totally dependent on everything going well? No, God, he, he has an intention. He has an original intention, but he's not limited by time and space in what, what people do on this earth. He's victorious over it. And so as sin you know, takes hold in this world and decisions are made and stuff, God just changes his approach. And so he sends his only son for you and I, and then the sin of man, I mean, I'm just reading Pilate, I mean, how big of a coward was Pilate to sit there and go, I have nothing to, I, I, I can't even pin any sin on this guy. And he just, he just buckled under pressure and just sent him to a murderous death. Do you think that if Pilate would have said, uh, okay, or turned him loose, God's going, oh man, he messed up my plan, now what are we going to do? No, God knew that that's what was going to happen, and he knew the hardship in your life. He knew, he knew that was going to happen. Was it his original intent? No. But is his ultimate perfect will in your life, is it limited because things didn't go well for you? I'm, I'm here to tell you that this has to be so frustrating for the devil that he might be glorified more because of the hardship in your life. I, I, think, I think about that. I have a crazy brain with weird things go through my head and it's probably because my head's so large but (laughs) i was thinking about this and i was thinking you know that i was thinking about like how how much false hope the devil must get when 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 sin is rampant because then god just turns it around and he just uses it against i mean think about this think about the internet and think about uh 
think about texting and all that stuff. And, you know, originally, like God said, the word would be, and it would always be. And, it would, and then originally it was just like these transcripts, and people were just writing, and, and then people were copying, and then all of a sudden, and then, and then all of a sudden, you know, it kind of goes digital, and, and then the devil's getting frustrated, and then all of a sudden the internet, and then guess what happens is, you know how much sin takes place over the internet? You know how many people, and, and probably some right here, are addicted to pornography because of, because of the internet? You know how many people uh, coordinate sin? You know how many bombs are detonated by terrorists with cell phones? But then, like, the head demon goes over to Satan, and he's like, you're not going to believe this. This whole word thing, it's gone digital. It's gone viral. This girl, he's like, we'll stop the word, and it's like, this girl is texting this other girl the word of, of Jesus, and, it's, and he's like, stop it. I can't. It's just, it's going over the airways, and it's going every which direction, and it's just that God, it's just that sin may abound, but God's approach changes as sin abounds. And so there's nothing, there's nothing good or bad in, these, in, in, in Facebook. And Facebook can be used for evil, but it can be used for good. All right, so because Jesus changes his approach. Look at, uh, let's look real quickly at where our true identity comes from, John 3. I'm going to read through this pretty quickly because we don't have a whole lot of time. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher that comes from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, no one is born again. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter a second time to the mother's womb? And be born, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. And so, flesh, my, my DNA will tell me that I came from my Father on earth. My spirit tells me when I come in here that I am from Adam. Because my Father was from Adam fleshly. But do not marvel at what I say to you. You must be born again. The wind blows where it, where it wishes and you hear it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel? Yet you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness so that we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Do you think, once again, that Jesus did anything on accident? Do you think that birth is a temporary thing? Do you think that God was sitting up there whenever Jesus said, you must be born again, and that's a, that's a one-time thing. And you think God's sitting up there going, oh, Jesus, you j now you're going to make them think it's all permanent. Why would you say birth? Why do you call me Father? He calls, Jesus refers to God as Father 156 times just in John. And so your identity is based on birth. 
And yet we walk around and we act like our identity is based on what we do. But Jesus says to Nicodemus that it's based on birth. And all throughout this, the scripture, there's, there's all this evidence that, that believing in him gives us a new life and makes us a new creation. And we are born again. And it doesn't ever say anything about being unborn. Okay, and I think it's, it's on purpose that God calls himself father and calls his children. I've never said to my kids, I've told my kids, go to your room, but I've never said, go back to the womb. I've never said, you're unborn. You're not my child. Okay, go, mom, go find mom and go be unborn again because the way you're acting and they're like, it's dark in there. I know it is. Okay, if, if you're really, really good, mommy will push you back out. But, but you're going back. Isn't that gross? <laughs> But that's how, but it literally, is that not how silly it is? That there's all of this evidence, like, just don't take my word for it. Read through it. And like, there's all this evidence that God calls himself Father, and we're born again, and you're a, you're a new creation. And yet we walk around like, I just can't get right. That's why we come to him. That's why we come to him, because we are so not right. Let's turn over to... Let's turn over to Romans 5, and we're going to wrap up. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of glory. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has poured into our hearts the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. For while yet we were, for while we were still weak, at the time of Christ died for the ungodly, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one will dare to die. But God knows his love for us and that while we were yet sinners. Did you, did you grasp that that says while we were yet sinners? That doesn't say that we never ever sinned. But it says that we were sinners until Christ came. And not to elevate you and me that we are these great saints because of what we do. Okay, but I see why Kendall's standing up here because he's talking to me the same way when he's going, do you get it? And he's just so intense and he's going, nah. And I'm sitting there going, it's because I, I don't even, I still don't even understand the fullness of who I am in Christ. I don't understand this. I'm going to show you one thing. This thing doesn't flip, does it? Okay, let's, since, this is going to freak a couple people out, and that's okay. You can, uh, you can test me. Since the crucifixion, this is a tally of how many times the scripture refers to believers, you and me, as saints, and how many times it refers to, I'm sorry, I forgot a number. This is how many times the scripture calls you and me a saint. Right here. There's one reference when Paul's talking about things he used to do and he says, I'm the chief of sinners. 
Paul also references the Christians as saints and all this stuff. But see, people will, there's scholars that will hang our hat on this one thing, right? The overwhelming evidence is not that you and I are good on our own, but that Christ made you a new creation. And in Him, we are saints. Not so that, not so that Lance be lifted or Kendall. Kendall doesn't want you to follow Kendall. Kendall's excited because Kendall knows that only in Christ is Kendall able to be used the way that Kendall's able to be used. This is who you are, and I am. Don't get hung up on, on this when you study. When you see how permanent your place in heaven and in God's family is in here, don't, don't let your little scholar friend go, ah, what about this? The overwhelming evidence is that you are in the family. And there's some of you, like me, but some of you who still, still aren't, you're, you still don't even, maybe even what I said is just the first time you've ever heard who you are. Maybe it's the first time it clicked. And so what I want to do before we leave here, because I want you to just kind of be by yourself for a second, okay? Just don't be touching the person next to you and just bow your heads for a second. And I think that I have the Holy Spirit and I think that the Lord um, has made it known to me that there are people here whose identity is not in what Christ did for them. That you still are hung up on your jacked up childhood or your identity is based on maybe how well your childhood was. Because even though God intended that, God didn't intend a family to be a certain way so that then yet that family can be glorified. It was to create an environment to where he can be made more and you can be made less. And so some of you are hung up on the fact that your family life was a little messed up, or maybe you're the only believer in your family, and you're hung up on that because God can't really use you because things aren't right, and when you get the circumstances right, God's going to use you. And then some of you are just super secure in the fact that mom and dad love you and all this, and you just were so satisfied, and you're like the rich young ruler who doesn't see his need for Jesus. And so for you who are content, I just pray that God would show you that it doesn't matter if you're the all-American kid. It doesn't matter if you don't do the big sins, that you are nothing identity-wise. Your identity has nothing to do with your parents when it comes to your spiritual identity. It has zero to do with your parents. It has zero to do with what you do. Now, what you do will follow who you are. You will look like your father and your mother most likely. But how you act didn't determine who your parents were. And there's a couple in here that are, that are broken and that are so worried about fixing their circumstances that you just, you're like me because I'm the same way. I just can't, when I get this all ironed out, then the Lord is going to use me. And God can be glorified even more because of whatever your situation is. And I want to close with this, with your eyes closed. 
the very last thing my father said to me. And I've never told a soul this. But as a 10-year-old boy, my dad came back the last time I saw him in my house. And I think he was getting his stuff. And I said, Dad, why? What? Why? Where are you going? And the very last thing my father said that played Jesus on the cross, who sang specials at church, he said, I just need to get away and figure out who I am. And so if you don't figure this out and understand this, I can promise you it will affect generations. Father, thank you so much for just allowing us to gather in your name. God, I pray for these students and these workers and these adults, no matter how old they are or where everybody comes from or what their family life was like, how perfect or imperfect it seemed. God, I just pray that you would reveal to us who we are and show us how crazy that is that we're children of it. How just it just makes no sense because we've never been showed un, showed unconditional love like that. And I pray that you would set free those in here that are in bondage based on circumstance. Those girls that are in here that are just if they could find a husband, no, if they find a husband to fill the void they're trying to fill, they'll they'll put a husband in the wrong spot. And God, I pray that you would let us see in this baptism as we leave here, God. Let us see the permanence and the symbolism of one being buried, whole body, and raised back up. That salvation is not, it's not a temporary thing, because if it was, Kendall would get up there and he'd say, here's a baton, hold this. And, and, and when things go bad, he would take it back. But it's not, it's a, I've never read anybody being unbaptized, Lord. And God, that when this group and all of us, me first, the one who probably struggles the most understands this, God. Let us see how much that makes of you and how little that makes of us. And I pray that it will ignite joy and peace that we don't understand so that we can reach this world through you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.